0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Farming for Passive Income show. Today, we have a guest, Alina Tregoub. She is the founder and managing partner of Samo Financial, a boutique equity firm. Um, Back in 2020, these numbers are probably a little bit outdated, but she had 1,200 doors, um, invested over 500 units, and also ran a $10 million mobile home fund. Um, She has a great educational platform, so I'm really excited to have her on as a guest to help all of our listeners. Alina, welcome to the show.
1: Okay, so thank you. I'm really excited to be here. appreciate you uh, inviting me over to your podcast.
0: Absolutely. Um, Thank you again for coming on. Your story is awesome. It's weird. You don't sound like an American. Um, I. What's your what's your background? Did you um come from somewhere else from for real estate or um how did you get in um to real estate?
1: Um. So be- before real estate, I actually had a successful twenty plus career, which before that started in tax accounting, and then I ended up being uh, an information technology professional for twenty mm-hmm. plus years. So, yes, the- there was a long journey before that. Um, real estate came about because uh, as a former tax accountant, I was looking for a way uh, to lower tax implications for my family and the real estate kept coming up. And so um, through my extensive research, I came across syndications. Uh, took a leap and started investing in them as a limited partner and found that this was an amazing opportunity. And after speaking to my friends and uh, at the time colleagues at work, realizing that most people have never heard of syndications, I decided to Uh, change that and impact communities and start my own company, Samo Financial, with the purpose of educating other people on how they can become sophisticated passive investors and uh, take advantage of the tax benefits, creating passive income for their families and impacting communities with us. So that's how Samo Financial was born. And um, in addition to that, so I no longer have my W2 career, uh, but about a year and a half ago, Thank you, Casey. Um, about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine introduced me to a real estate fund manager. guy. Um, his name is Mike Zlatnik, and he leads TF Management Group, which is a real estate fund management company. Mike invited me to help them out and with investor relations, uh, which I spearhead to this day. So I continue with educating investors on one side and then spearheading investor relations for this real estate fund management company on another
0: side. Awesome. So you have two things going. Yes. Very cool. They're I-
1: they're kind of complementary and you know that's why it helps uh, to progress both smoothly.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I love that you came from the accountancy background, really understanding the the true tax burden of, of a lot of businesses and investors.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I was happy to see that, uh, you know, my, my as a W-2 employee for me and my husband, the salaries were increasing, but uh, our tax brackets were increasing and I was not happy to see that plus the EMT, alternative minimum tax. So that has been bothering me for a while. So that's why I decided to take that action and find a way to uh, lower our uh, tax uh, liabilities, essentially, which real estate helps a lot with.
0: Mhm. And when you looked into those models was it mostly from an active side like buying buying assets yourself at first? So
1: both. Yeah, when you're active, of course, you're able to claim real estate professional status, granted that you qualify with 750 hours, uh, you do the work required, and uh, ideally you don't have any other W-2 employment because then it's virtually impossible to claim that. But even if you're not w W-2 employee, if you're investing passively, well, guess what? All of the losses that uh, you receive through these syndication investments and fund investments, uh, if you don't use them, you carry them forward until you have uh, passive gains that would be allow-, that would allow you to offset against those passive losses and essentially either pay nothing or pay very little. And the other advantage of real estate is that these passive gains, uh, they're capped, the tax on them is capped uh, at 20%. So if you are a um, highly compensated professional, if you're a business owner and you're in 30%, plus percent tax bracket well guess what your taxes are capped uh, at the 20 percent on those capital gains so that's another huge benefit that you're getting off the bat with uh, investing in real estate and doing it passively
0: Hmm. yeah and so the real estate professional status only if you're active only as the gp side you can't claim any of that as the as the passive investor is the one of the Correct. key takeaways yeah
1: Correct. Correct. Uh, GP or you can have your own uh, rentals. If you have your own rentals and doing something else in addition to that, then uh, you can claim. But again, I'm not a CPA. Always Mm -hmm. tell people, please consult with your CPA. Um, These are just the concepts that uh, most people want to hear about and understand. And I'm always willing to. Uh, explain the concept in a layman terms so that other people can learn about it and take advantage of uh, this passive real estate investing.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you got started in the industry, Alina, did you start on the active side and then move into the passive? Or are you doing both right now?
1: Uh, I started on the passive side and then uh, gradually moved into active side. And yes, I'm doing both now.
0: Okay, which one do you like more?
1: Uh, both have uh, its uh, pros and cons, I, I mean, yeah. just like everything else. But for me, it was also a matter of finding uh, the field that I would enjoy the most. Uh, you know, someone who's changed career careers multiple times. I never liked accounting. Um, I enjoyed information technology, but the co its it course, I was at the point where, you know, um, I, I actually received a pink slip when COVID happened, but I was yeah. so happy it happened. And my only regret now that it did not happen sooner. Uh, because, you know, at that point, when, when uh, the pink slip came in, I've already accumulated enough passive income for a family for me not to work. It was just, you know, it was such a cushy job that I didn't want to leave it. And when that came, it was like a blessing in the sky. So I was really, really happy about that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like great timing.
1: Yeah, it, it was perfect timing for sure. I mean, I, of course, I don't wish COVID on any, anyone, but the fact that the layoff started happening, that helped me personally. Sure.
0: Mm -hmm. So when that transition happened, did you go, went full on into real estate? Yes.
1: I did. I went full on in real estate and I just continued with my personal investments, with growing SEMA. Um, and then uh, the introduction to the fund manager happened probably six months later. I, I didn't even, I wasn't looking, I wasn't expecting. Uh, it was a mutual friend who said, uh, who introduced us and said, you guys should talk. And uh, Mike and I started talking and we immediately hit it off. So mm-hmm. it was not in the plans and uh, just happened naturally.
0: That's perfect. That's usually how most good things happen.
1: Yeah, I I agree for for Mm -hmm. sure. uh, I really enjoy uh, uh, being in this field because I know that I'm helping other people uh, to find this passive way to invest. Uh, I know that... uh, Real estate investing is not impacted by the stock market fluctuation. I mean, what the stock market is going through right now uh, is uh, absolutely incredible, and uh, people are losing a lot of money on the stock market. So I always tell folks that, yeah, have some uh, on Wall Street, but in addition to that, always invest in alternatives such as real estate because it's just it's such a an incredible tool and. If you think of it, uh, real estate is is a tangible asset uh, and you get to take advantage of appreciation. Uh, you know, when, when the asset is repositioned, the um, units are renovated and the rents are increased, that indirectly forces the value of your property up and that indirectly increases the appreciation of your property. You don't have to wait for it to increase. It's forced to appreciate. Uh, you get to experience using leverage because, you know, we're, we're on the stock market market, can you find an investment where you put 20% down payment and someone gives you a loan for the rest? I mean, that's non-existent. Plus, another benefit that LPS, limited partners, have in syndication is Um, they're not responsible for anything. They're not liable. Granted, they have no uh, power to make a decision, but they're also not responsible for anything. So they literally just put their money into the investment and let it grow. And then uh, someone else, or GPs typically, take on and work on this business and um, make the distributions to passive investors. I I think it's a beautiful thing where uh, you can continue with your business, whatever you like to do, I guess, okay, in the case of the audience, it's farmers who can continue um, with their farming biz- business and stay and enjoy doing what they love, um, whether it's spending time with the family or expanding their uh, farms, uh, while uh, this uh, syndication helps them to create additional passive income stream uh, to help their family uh, bring more money and the money, let the money work for them.
0: hmm fully agree with your sentiment around passive investing. I I got fully hooked when I found out about passive investing um, about a year ago and all of the benefits. And I just went down a big rabbit hole, if you will. And yeah, it's it's a, an amazing tool. And it's also a shame that it's not more publicly known to a lot of people. And a lot of people don't, yeah, they just don't know about it.
1: Yeah yeah i completely agree with you it is not highly publicized and kudos to you casey for going full force on it uh from only a year ago it's incredible for what you learned within this year so uh, congratulations on that and uh it's uh, great that you're trying to help other people uh especially folks in the farming community to learn more about this passive way to invest in real estate
0: yeah thank you for that doing my best um i'll get better but Um, as you, so you're also in investor relations, um, with the, with the other company that you support, what are some typical conversations that you have with onboarding limited partners as passive investors into your deals? What does that process look like and how do you get, um, those investors over a lot of the regular hurdles that they ask you?
1: Sure. So majority of our projects are uh, for accredited investors. And that's why the the first question is always, are you accredited? And I'm happy to explain what it is. You, You tell me if you think your audience knows or does not know what that is.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Brief explanation would be great.
1: Sure, so in order to qualify as an accredited investor um one if they're married have to be making at least two hundred thousand if they're three hundred thousand if they're single, they need to be making at least two hundred thousand and reasonably believe they'll make just as much this year as the previous two years um so at least two or three hundred depending on single or married, or more. Uh, The alternative to that is uh, to qualify by your net worth. Mm -hmm. And your net worth is all your assets less your liabilities. And that does not include your home. And that should be at least 1 million. Um, So Mm -hmm. folks can qualify either by income or net worth. It's one or the other. It doesn't have to be both. There is actually a third way to qualify, uh, which was added recently in the last few years, um, which applies to the... Professionals in the financial services uh, who have uh, licensing in Series 7 or 63, but, you know, it doesn't apply to the folks in the farming industry. hmm. Yeah. So the first step is to qualify people to see whether they are accredited or not, because honestly, I don't want to waste anyone's time. So I I asked them that question. Once we know that, yes, they're accredited, the next step is to explain our products. In our case, in addition to doing syndications, we also offer funds and each fund is aligned with a specific investment goal uh, of yours, whether it's growth or income or combination of things. Uh, and then I explain uh, to, to folks what each of these goals means and how we help them to achieve it, how the funds work and how they structure it. And we take it from there. Uh, usually people ask a few more questions and they want to review the materials before they come back and ask the follow up questions. So at that point, either that second or third session, That's when the deep dive happens because at that point, people already have reviewed your materials and they have a lot more questions so they can understand your investment best. And um, I I don't leave any questions unattended. I want to make sure that people are... Uh, in full understanding what the offerings are about and that helps them to make an informed decision much faster because confused mind says no. That's why I want them to be absolutely clear about what is it that they do, uh, what is it that we offer and how they can take advantage of what we offer and how that aligns with their investment goals. You know, mm-hmm. if you... Um, help your uh, potential clients or existing clients um, answer all those questions and make it clear, then uh, the sky is the limit for, for them and for you, and you can help them tremendously.
0: Yes, fully agree, Alina. And I love that you brought up aligning their interests with the interests of the funds because the the opportunities that your company likely provides it it varies on geography varies by investment thesis perhaps could you walk us through how exactly you think about aligning those two in your two firms
1: sure uh so when uh you're asking about the product or alignment between two firms
0: um yeah the the customer the investor experience and their um, investing mentality versus per- investing their capital into the right deal that they're looking for.
1: Sure. Uh, so typically, uh, people are uh, split into uh, three categories. There, are, there are folks that are um, at the point where they just want to generate immediate passive income. That's all they're interested in. They need money to live off of, and they have a chunk of funds that they want to invest and generate that passive income. So I tell them then, potentially, you want to look at our income fund. Um, Then there are other people that say, um, I have little kids. I'm going to continue working for at least five, maybe 10 years, uh, I don't need the money right now, but I, I want to see the, my money multiply down the road. And I tell them that we have this growth vehicle, growth fund, that would be a, a potentially good investment for you to review. And then we review the terms of that. um, Or a syndication, because a, a lot of syndications, are, with us at least, are typically value-add, multi-family value-add syndications. And they're uh, more than typically are growth oriented so we review that with them as well uh and the third fund that we have is called Tampa opportunity fund and this fund is really for people that would like to have a combination they want to see a little bit of growth and a little bit of income and so while this fund also provides immediate passive income uh, through distributions to investors, just like the Tempo income fund, but it also gives them some tax advantages through the growth component in this fund. So that's Mm -hmm.
0: that. A little bit of both. Best of both worlds.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's the combination.
0: That's really solid. So when you are vetting the opportunities to bring into your fund, Are you looking at certain geographies um, for for those investment assets or um, are there just certain ones that you guys stick to?
1: Great question, Casey. Yes, we always look at geography and uh, other aspects. So what we do in general in our funds, all our funds are fund of funds, and we typically diversify them in three different ways. Number one is, as you mentioned, geographically, we invest nationwide. And when I say nationwide, uh, each Mm -hmm. asset class has its own uh, set of criteria for specific geography. For example, for multifamily, it could be all of Southeast or uh, also parts of Midwest. Uh, For... uh, Uh, self-storage for instance it would be probably somewhere in florida or arizona in the areas where people don't have enough space and want to store their belongings somewhere else and so forth Uh, so that's one diversification geographically second one is by different uh, commercial assets such as storage uh, apartments industrial space and so forth and the third way we diversify is by different real estate investment strategies uh, and you know we all know value add but there's also core core plus hotel conversions and so forth and um when it comes to investment strategies it really depends on the type of fund uh because while value add or hotel conversions are perfect for growth fund uh for a fund that's income uh, driven, they may not be perfect but what we do in that case is we um, look at the offering and we discuss it with the operators and uh, we try to find a way to negotiate the terms that would be aligned with a particular fund. For instance, for the income fund, we would need something that offers immediate passive income. And we we were able to structure the deals where we just carve out a portion of a deal uh, that pays investors' distributions immediately. So that's a separate class, and it could be a sub-syndication of a bigger one, uh, but that allows us to get a, a piece of that syndication and put it in a fund where uh, that immediate passive income is aligned with the goal of the fund.
0: Hmm. Yes, and it aligned with the goals of the investor, investor. which is why wow, I love what you guys are doing. You you are vetting these opportunities and you're aligning it
1: Absolutely. to the
0: investor thesis.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. And making sure that it's always applicable. So matching, matching that up is really cool and something that I also strive to do.
1: Excellent. So
0: you guys okay. are a great... Great case study and something that um, I, I look up to. So,
1: Thank you, Casey. Thank you for
0: that. Well, Alina, is there anything that you would like to add to our listeners? You've provided a ton of value today, so thank you for that. And I don't want to take up too much of your time, but if there is maybe one last gold nugget that you'd like to leave, um, I think that would be awesome.
1: Sure, Casey. Uh, I always tell people start with educating yourself and whether you do it on your own, or uh, hire a coach uh, someone like myself that can help you expedite your journey that's really up to you and it also depends how much time you want to put into this but regardless what you do uh, start reading books on a topic there are books on syndications um, multiple books on syndications there are books on personal development and just in general financial books that are great Uh, for instance one of my favorite books uh, it's not a real estate book but it's a ancient book that provides incredible value. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon uh, by George Clayson. And I think anyone, I I highly recommend it to any person, regardless whether you're investing in real estate or not. But it gives you such uh, uh, important foundational um, value that you'll benefit no matter what you do in life, for sure.
0: Yes, that's such a good book and fully agree with that recommendation, Alina. Thank you, Casey. Where can can people get a hold of you? Sure. Uh,
1: um, They can find me on my website, samofinancial.com or on uh, TFmanagement or tempofunding.com or on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. We will put all of those in the show notes as well. And that concludes it. Thank you again, Alina. It was great having you on. And listeners, thanks for listening in and we'll talk next time. Thanks, Lena. My
1: pleasure, Casey. Bye.
0: Bye.